Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for being here with me, your host, Damian Mason, on the Business of Agriculture podcast. Got a great show for you today. We're talking about precision agriculture. We're talking about the future of the business of agriculture, data, analytics, technology, where this whole industry is going with a great guest. His name is Dan Freeberg. He's with Premier Crop Systems. Dan, welcome for the, welcome to the Business of Agriculture. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay. Before we get to all of the great discussion we're going to have, I want to remind our listeners that we also can be viewers. That's right. Since January, the Business of Agriculture podcast has also been a video on my YouTube channel. It's the Damian Mason channel. Please check it out uh, and subscribe while you're there. When you subscribe, it helps the visibility and then other people can see this. And we always say one of our goals is to share this podcast with the non-ag person in your life because then they can be educated about our industry and pass it on to other non-ag folks. Uh, the Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. They're headquartered in Fargo, North Dakota. It doesn't matter where they are. They serve clients, ag industry people, ag businesses, farming operations, just like yours, all over North America, 26 states and four provinces. Go to harvestprofit.com to get your free 14-day trial and utilize their software. Okay. His name's Dan Freeberg. He has been a, around agriculture his whole life, and he started Premier Crop Systems in 1999. But before we get into that, real quickly, the background that brought you into what you do now. Yeah, Iowa farm kid, went to my, you know, my state's land-grant university, got an ag degree, wholesale fertilizer for a couple of years, and then retail. So was working directly with growers for eight years, and then ran the trade associations representing that industry fertilizer and chemical and then grain and feed. So just it, it kind of went from being face-to-face uh, -face with growers to putting a suit and tie on and being a lobbyist on behalf of the industry. And then left that and started doing business consulting. And, and a lot of the early clients um, were starting to get into this area called Precision Ag, and that's kind of how Premier Crop came to be. So for the person that is completely, you know, clueless, we have a lot of diversity of listenership here with the Business of Ag podcast. We've got folks that are in the irrigation business, machinery business. We also have people food processing. We have, uh, and again, just a, a lawyer in Minneapolis uh, sent me an email yesterday, not an ag person, just loves this program because they learn so much about the food industry. What is precision agriculture? Well, it's, it, I appreciate reaching non-farming uh, non audiences and a diverse audience, so I appreciate that. Um, it, it, everybody, everybody's going to get this really quick because everybody- and By the way, Dan, Dan, the good news about reaching non-ag people, there's a whole lot more of them than there are of us. So if we just grab a few of them, market penetration isn't great, but you know, getting outside of us, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular number. Go ahead. And, and everybody- but. Damien, everybody has perceptions based on what their own life experience is. And some people remember farming from their grandfather's farm that they visited or their aunts and uncles, and they don't, they don't realize how much has changed. But GPS, GPS, being able to have, you know, GPS signal is changing agriculture just like it's changing the rest of society. That, the idea of a driverless car isn't 
out of the grow farmers understand that immediately because they they have auto steer on their on their tractors and combines meaning they're not steering the reason the rows are so straight is they're not steering right the tractor as a plant it's it's steering itself and it's using gps to do that so you know the, well, military, the, the military. evolution that'd be a good thing to do okay first off let's answer what is precision ag if you can in a couple of sentences and then we'll talk about the evolution because i think that's neat for everybody so go ahead and just give me kind of the if you have said you know you're at a cocktail party and uh the person that lives in suburban uh you know minnesota whatever suburban chicago says now they said you're some kind of ag thing are you like what are you a farmer because that's what they don't understand you say no i am in uh precision ag data analysis Woo! okay so tell about precision agriculture and so so precision ag is just taking advantage of what gps does and it allows us to it allows us to measure every every few seconds measure what's happening in the field from a yield perspective. So the combine goes through the field as it harvests the crop, it's, it's measuring every second what the yield was in that, that GPS coordinate. And then we can turn around and we can drive input changes. So everything changes. So, so as we farm, as we farm, we're changing, you know, the, the seeding rate is changing and the nutrient rates are changing as the equipment goes through the field. So it's, and, and so, so the, there's all kinds of machinery that allows us to collect information. Um, so it's, it's just all this information that's being collected. And, and when you talk, when you talk about data analytics, it's just compiling it all into a database structure that lets you start seeing relationships in data. So you, so you understand what's the best recipe, right? What's the best, what's the best way to treat a certain part of a certain field? There you go. So let's get, before that, let's go to the history and the timeline of, uh, of applied technology and agriculture, because then, you know, some of our, our friends in the business that are even do know this probably kind of know the history, but then others, let's go with that. And then we'll talk about why that data matters. So in the old days, let's go back to my friend, Rob Syke, uh, author of Food 5.0, and, and he's an ag tech guy, talks about the five iterations of agriculture. You know, he started by just, uh, um, you know, uh, human, you know, by force and then, you know, bringing animals into it and then tech, you know, bringing in machinery. And then it was the um, hybridization and the genetics that we did. And now it's about data and basically it's compiling all of those things. So for like 9,900 years, 9,800 years of the agricultural uh, evolution. It was little more than uh, a man, a woman, their their strength, uh, a hoe, and maybe an ox. And by a uh, hundred years ago, when we first hybridized corn, happened just one century ago, we started seeing surpluses. Now we've got an amazing thing, Dan, where we've done everything from from tractors and uh, human uh, muscle to the technology to what you're talking about. We're talking about, no, these people that think, oh, you're just out there driving around. There's a heck of a lot more going on. Take me from tractors and hybridization in the last century to where we are today as an Iowa farm kid turned technology guy. Yeah, it's, it, Damien, so if you think of what our grandparents lived through and what they saw in their lifetime. So there, there are farmers in their 80s that are in combines harvesting and, and they're, they're the same in their lifetime. They grew up with, probably grew up with 
corn pickers. You know, I mean, like it, they just, they grew up with two two row corn pickers that weren't shelling the corn off the ear. It was just so so they they have seen this evolution from really the, the mechanization was starting and all that, and so they saw that, and they've just seen just one advanced after after another. Um, you know, so it's 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 this what how how the seed industries evolved. It's how crop protection products have evolved and. And just like with nutrients, it's just the ability to manage, managing them variable in the field, not, not treating every acre as though it's the same. So that's a big part of what you do. What, what, one of the things you do is uh, I'm looking at a 160-acre field, let's say. And in the old days, <laughs> it'd take me, take me a, a three days to get through it, uh, 10 days with a horse, whatever, but uh, the whole summer, you know, with a horse. But now I want to get through that field. And what do you do? You, your technology analyzes what? Okay, part of that field has different nutrients. Part of it has different soil type. Um, give, me, give me the rundown. Yeah, no, you're on the, you are exactly on the right track. It's, just, it's different pH. It's different organic matter. It's different you know, nutrients that supply the, you know, the so, so when, we talk about nu- when we talk about feeding the crop, it's a combination of what the soil supplies. And, and a combination of what we, we apply as fertilizer or manure. So, so it's just the balance of all those things. It's, you know, it, Damien, you see it, in, you, you travel a lot in the summertime and, and you travel across the Midwest in a vehicle and you, you know, sometimes the road gets up above a field and you see in the hot July, you'll see part of the field just look like it's withering from the heat. And those are spots that can't handle as many plants. You know, they're just, it's soil type. So, so what we do is we back off we back off the seeding rate in those areas, and there's other parts of the field that can withstand the, that dry weather, and those are the areas we push a little harder. So, so our message for growers is is not about saving money; it's about reinvesting, like changing where you invest within the field to maximize returns. It's, there you, you know, go. You, so so instead of treating the whole. 160 acres or now a, a modern uh, crop farm. And of course, we're talking about corn, soybeans, wheat. We're not talking about a tobacco operation per se. We're not, we're talking about macro um, uh, agricultural production, you know, big scale stuff. What yours do and what your stuff does is it allows you to plant less seeds in a part of the field that can handle less plants. It, yep. it allows you to, so like if I'm looking at that map over your right shoulder, and if you're watching this, you know what I'm talking about. It's got sort of a grid. Is that what it looks like to the farm operating? Not quite. That, that's another iteration of what we do, Damien. So, so as this thing evolves, so we started, we started, so, you know, so we generate prescriptions that go into the equipment and change the rate as it goes across the field. But in order to validate, in order to validate whether that worked or not, a lot of times we'll put a trial in the field, you know, me- meaning we, you know, like instead of just saying we know it all, we, we say, here's our, best, here's our best recommendation, but oh, by the way, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a test, we're gonna do a test in your field to make sure that we're getting the right rate. And so, the, so what's on the screen is just a randomized replicated trial dropped into the middle of a grower's field, so. So by so using all this just, data, so it's just this constant, Damien. It's it's just this constant improvement. You know, it's just so you're you're constantly trying new things. You're trying different rates, and you're just you're learning every year, and you're applying that that what you learn, you're applying that to next year, and so you're just constantly trying to be better and better at what we do. So precision ag is really just it's a set of tools using technology that's in the cab 
to, to just do better agronomy, to do better farming. When, uh, so when you are looking at what you do for an operation, the benefit is uh, if you had to pitch it, I want to be, I'm thinking about being a customer. What's your pitch? What's the benefit to me? Just to drive, drive the highest economic return in every part of the field. So, so it's if I've not, got 2,000 acres out here, you're going to make sure that I'm maximizing my return by? By the way we manage the inputs. The, by, the, the, by the way we manage what goes into producing that crop. Okay. And, and, and Damien, that's, it's, it's field operations and it's, it's chemicals, it's nutrients, it's seed. You know, it's just everything, are, all the decisions that are, it's, it's planting date and, and things like, it's just everything, every decision they make, we try to use data to inform a better decision. And the person that's listening to this that doesn't really understand macro level, large scale grain production, how many dollars per acre is invested to put out a, an acre of corn? Because there's people that probably say, I got a good friend that's a suburban friend, lives in Evanston, Illinois. He's from Michigan. He says, I love listening to your stuff. How many dollars does it take to put out an acre of corn? Seven, eight hundred. Okay. And so now you understand why we need something like your product, because if I can back off a hundred bucks on an acre and not over apply something, I, that might be my margin. That might be more than my margin, right? By far more than your margin. So, yeah, I mean, the margins are really thin. You know, the, the, return, the, the, the return is really low right now. So it's, it's, we're really in a difficult time. I'm seeing stuff, Dan, uh, experts, agronomists. Uh, I sit through a lot of sessions, you can probably imagine, in my business and, and glean a lot of information. It's part of my job. I figure I'm a, an amalgamator of information and I bring it to my people. Dan, I've seen a lot of different uh, agronomists and, and guest speakers and whatnot, and they talk about one thing that we never even thought about. Are we underutilizing resources? Do we have fertilization and resources that we're over-applying fertilizer and inputs and we're just not getting to the soil? Is that true? And can your technology and can Precision Ag rectify that? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, Damien, it's one of those where the generalization is – I mean, you, it, 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 I hate to generalize, but for sure there are places where we have too much, you know, we have excess nutrients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so Chesapeake Bay, you know, just overload of, of um, nitrogen nutrients in the bay. So, so we have water quality issues associated with nutrient loads, and those are primarily tied to nitrogen or phosphorus. And you kind of have to separate the two. So the phosphorus issue it, there's a few places in the world and in the country where phosphate can move in the soil profile, but in general, it moves with the soil. So a lot of times, like you think of Lake Erie, Lake Erie might be a combination of some moving excess amounts moving through tile lines. But, but in general, if you think of the Mississippi headed to the Gulf, um, a lot of that phosphorus is associated with soil movement. So the number one, the number one thing we have to do is, is slow water. So every practice that a grower uses to slow water, you know, before, and that's why, that's why no-till, that's why keeping residue on top of the field, that's why cover crops, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of strategies that's filter strips along streams. It's all about slowing water because if the water gets too much speed as it leaves the field, it, it carries sediment, soil, it carries soil with it. 
You know, the 10 bad for soil erosion. And I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Soil is our most valuable asset in agriculture. And it's, it's still haunts us today. We're doing better than we did years ago when we we're doing too much tillage. But, but when we, when that soil moves, it carries phosphorus with it yeah. because it's the topsoil and that's the richest, that's the richest zone from a phosphorus perspective. So, so we move a lot of, like when we have huge soil losses, we have nutrient losses as well. Um, but part of our issue, part of our issue from water quality standpoint is we've deposited phosphorus rich soil in stream banks and in the stream beds. And so every time we get this, you know, we get these unusual rainfall events that cut the channel. As they cut the channel, as they cut a stream channel, they're carrying phosphorus rich sediment down the stream. So nitrogen's a different issue and and because it's a mobile nutrient. So it, it moves, you know, it moves up and down in the soil profile with water. So you can denit like if you think of those ponded areas, they denitrify and let nitrogen up in the air. And then and then leaching is where nitrate goes down into under into groundwater or into tile lines that shoots into surface water. So so we definitely we definitely there's a big a big piece of what we do is tr- trying to ad- trying to be holistic and address all those issues. So it's not just about the right rate and the right spot, but it's also about making sure your cultural practices or your management practices, you're doing the right things to, to keep, keep everything where it belongs. And a product like you and a business like yours, you know, Premier Crop Systems or data analytics using Precision Ag can help with all of that stuff, which is good for the environment. And I see that being a big trend in ag that we're going to have to continue to sell our environmental story. We do. We have to. We we just have to squeeze every bushel out of every inch of rain we get, and every, you know, every pound of nutrient we apply. The, you know, the goal is just to just to maximize efficiency. And growers, that's where grower Damien, that's what growers are all about. They that's the part they like is just if you can make me more efficient, then I have better return at the end of the year. And and it's really tight times right now. It's just it's you know there's it's it's difficult to make money. Well, we're going to get to a few more things, but you see, uh, if you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, you may have noticed that our backdrops change because in between uh, the things, um, Mr. Mr. Freeberg's uh, computer crashed. And so we had to start again with a different computer and a different backdrop. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice this is a bonus for you. You get two different backdrops, but it's the same guy and the same expertise. He's with Premier, Premier Crop Systems. I have to take a moment now to recognize my sponsor, Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution to help your agricultural enterprise operate more profitably. All the inputs, all of the acres, all of the buying and selling, the millions of dollars of capital you have to manage to run an ag enterprise, shouldn't you have a million dollar software solution? The good news is it won't cost you that much. Go to harvestprofit.com and get your free 14 day trial. I also want to take a little moment here because this has been a hairy recording. It's been a hairy recording. You know, we lost our connection when his computer crashed and now we're back. So I'm going to reward ourselves with a chocolate milk. So while you're sitting there listening and you're thinking, what do I do when I'm harried? I go for something I can trust, something that makes me feel comfortable, something I enjoy, something I know, I've known since I was a child, like good old chocolate milk. Why am I telling you this? Because I have a new role with the Georgia milk producers. That's right. The dairy farmers, the family dairy farms of Georgia have now 
put me on a contract to help them promote their wonderful product. And I thought a good way to start doing that would be right here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. So join me right now and take a little toast. Grab yourself some whole milk, some chocolate milk. If you have to get skim stuff, but it's like white water, come on, get the real thing and enjoy a little bit of milk and think about my good friends down there in Georgia and how we're going to help them sell more of their product. All right. You just said something about squeezing every bushel out of every acre. Dan, here's the reality. We got crop surpluses. I mean, that's why now granted crops have rallied. We're at four and a quarter corn or something right now on $10 and 25 cent beans, which is really good, better than it was back in July. But here's the thing. We still got a lot of product. Why do we need products like yours that create more soybeans and corn when we've already got so much of it? And, and for, from a grower's perspective, though, it's all about um, how do they cover their investment in equipment and land and, and return to labor and management. So, right. so it, 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 you're exactly right. We, we go through these peaks and valleys of surplus and we have trade disruption and, you know, price volatility and all that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we're trying to drive higher returns to the grower, um, it's all about efficiency. You know, yeah, it's just, I think the real simple answer is for our, I, I was playing the devil's advocate, but for our listener that says, why, why we got to be so efficient at getting more corn out of that field? We already get more, too much corn, more than we need. Because the good acres, those that are not erodible, those that are not going to put tons of phosphorus uh, residue into our creeks, those fields need to be maximized so that marginal acres, the, the ones that are more likely to cause us environmental degradation can be set aside and be put into trees, pasture, crops, trees, uh, you know, uh, prairie grass, whatever. I think that's the answer and that's the selling point for your product. Am I right? You are, yeah, you did, you hire me you did a great job. You just. You did, you did a perfect job. All right. Tell me about this. Uh, data mining, data analysis. My gosh, compared to the old days, you went out and hopped on your John Deere 4020 and went out and plowed and dissed and cultivated and did all those things we, we talked about that are hard work, but also terrible for the ground. Now, it's more about the technology. Where does all this go, Dan? Yeah, it, it, I think we're going to look back 10 years from now and think, my goodness, were we really crude in 2020? Because we're going to take that kind of advances. We're going to continue just to, to use data to drive more confident decision making. And, and it'll, so I'm really bullish that um, data, data can help us, data can be a way for, to help us just to do it all more efficiently and better. So Damien, there's like, I grew up in on a livestock farm and it's not lost on me that the livestock industry in many ways is way ahead of crop production. So if you think of like the dairy industry, the, the four letters that I remember were DHIA, Dairy Herd Improvement Association. And, and that was kind of when the dairy industry went to recording production by the individual cow. And so once they, once they were able, instead of looking at herd averages, they're going down to the individual cow, that drove genetic changes, you know, decisions on genetics, it drove herd management, it, nutrition, everything changed because all of a sudden we were tracking production by an individual cow. Um, and then other parts of the livestock industry have followed suit. So livestock industry is really data driven. This just, you know, everybody knows how this pen of pigs did or, you know, how this pen of cattle did or, you know, this lot of cat, you know, so they just, 
they just track everything in terrific detail. Yeah, and so what, we're, what we're doing from a data perspective is just kind of playing catch up on the crop side. Yeah, I think it's very interesting you should say that. And that's a great analysis. By the way, we were members on my dairy farm growing up of the Dairy Herd Improvement Association. And yes, you're right. Then you, you looked at the data. Back then, it was not on a computer screen. It was on a printout that they gave you. Uh, and you said, cow number 137-9 is terrible. Uh, why, why are we keeping her around? And you know, then you started analyzing, like you said, to the cow, not just to the herd, not just, oh, hey, we sold this many pounds of milk in the bulk tank this week we're analyzing it by cow. What you're really saying is now we're doing that by acre or even quarter acre. I know that when they come to my farm and do soil samples, they do it on a grid pattern. And the idea is now we're going through in a more methodical manner, whereas it used to be guy drove up, hopped off his pickup truck, walked a hundred yards in the field, stuck a soil probe in, said, ah, here's your soil analysis. So really what you're saying is we can, we're getting to the per cow. We're getting to the the how did this bull reproduce or what did the offspring of this sow and boar combination create? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. And it's just these, you know, it's, it's certain parts of the field behave differently. They're more capable, you know, they just have more productivity and it's just trying to try to identify those areas. In some cases they need more, but there's other areas that, that almost need cold, you know, like to use your cow example, which is really what you were talking about earlier. It's like, are there acres that would be better off in CRP or in a filter strip or whatever? So, so there are acres where it's just probably not, you know, they, there's a better use and, uh, and acres that, again, that are capable of more if we're just able to manage them more aggressively. Now, do you think that's going to happen? Cause okay, let's just take the, I do. I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to call as we would an old call cow that should just go and become Campbell's soup. We're going to do that with acres that are underperforming. Now, the thing is, what if those acres are smack dab in the middle of that 160 acre field? Farmers love huge equipment. They, they just, every year equipment gets bigger, but I think it's going to get smaller through automation. And all of a sudden the idea that I don't have to be sitting on, on the combine, it's going to be more automated in the middle of that field. And when it's a wet bog and it's holding resources, but it's also good for the environment to let the water go there. Does those acres come back out? Do we, do we see that happening in the next five to 10 years? If they, you know, if, if they would let you and I like dictate environmental policy, I, I think we could find agreement that we could redo the CRP program. And instead of, instead of taking entire fields out of production, we could take the same dollars and we could take, and we could take targeted areas, you know, we, you know, we could take the same public investment in conservation and instead of taking whole fields, we could, we could take slices of a whole bunch of fields and take the most vulnerable, take, take the, take the spots that really don't make sense and could, you know, they could be a, you know, we, we, we could definitely take a big step on protecting the environment if we just use our money a little bit differently, but I don't, I'm not sure they're going to let us, Side environmental policy. Well, they should. They should let us decide a lot of stuff. Dan Freeberg, he's uh, with uh, Premier, the Premier, tell me the company's name again, Premier Crop Systems. If they want to find you, where do they find you? Just premiercrop.com. All right. Now, before we wrap up, I want to go through the last couple of thoughts here. You've been around this industry for a long time. You've seen a lot of change. You've helped perpetuate it. What's next? Where? Give me a couple of things. Next improvements that I'm not thinking about that somebody's going to say, oh, oh, really? Predictions. Well, you you just t- you just you kind of touched on one when you talked about big equipment. So, and I'm not you know the, there'd be a lot of people who would be have a lot more expertise than I would. But 
I'm not so sure that it's not, it, 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 if we go to automated farm equipment, I mean, driverless farm equipment, it could go small. You know, you could have much smaller, um, you know, so this, there's a lot of money being poured into autonomous, not, not just in cars and trucks, but um, in farm equipment as well. So, so it could be that it could be that we end up, you know, if you think of this big equipment, it could be that we end up with, you know, four, four machines, which are much smaller doing what one large machine used to do. I so. talk about that in my book, Food Fear, that it's going to be the first time ever we see equipment getting smaller. Other thoughts, observations, ideas that I wouldn't think about if the average ag person maybe is missing. Something that we're not seeing that you do from your perspective as the founder of Premier Crop Systems since 1999. I, I think we'll end up, um, so for me, there's a, Damien, it's, you know, this is obviously my passion is all this data and using the technology and all that. We just have a long ways to go. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who haven't adopted, you know, so, so I just, I see, I see the next 20 years as being where this becomes even more mainstream where more, you know, where we're just, and I use the dairy example again, and your Georgia dairy farmers would all get this. There just isn't a dairy farmer that doesn't, records that doesn't drive but you know it's 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 that evolution of when something becomes mainstream and I think that's really what's going to happen in the next 15 20 years is all this all this that I'm talking about is going to be just the way we farm everybody will farm this way yeah like if you went right now to a dairy facility and they didn't have the the wristband type of thing on the cow that then coordinates to a computer and then it says here's the pounds that that milk came out you'd be like what the hell are you doing it's the year 2020 you don't know what cow 193-7 is producing and uh what her numbers look like that's the way it is right now i see farm people that are not doing this data thing like you're talking about they don't know what the middle of that they know that the they know that the Miller farm did really well, but they don't know that there's eight acres on the Miller farm that probably should be put in trees. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or they don't, or they don't know why the Miller farm did better because <laughs> they, they haven't dug in the data. So they, they, they know it did better, but they're not sure they don't, they can't, they can't quantify why, because if they could quantify why the Miller farm did better, then they could, they could replicate that on the Smith farm and yeah. on the, to the Jones farm. farm. You know, it's just, yeah, so it's, that's where we're at. So, yeah. yeah, really, it's about application. It's it's not just yeah. They know that the Miller Farm did well, but now let's like you said, take that exact reason that we just found out why, and it's not as well. It's better dirt. Okay, that's part of it, but there's also these three things, and we can replicate those. So, better data equals better analysis. Better data analysis equals better application. Yep. For your non Damien, for your non farm audience, it was. Michael Bloomberg made a statement in the election cycle that, you know, some something about farming being easy. All you do is, you know, plant the seed and cover it up. And I was doing a grower meeting the, you know, in Minnesota the week that that came out. And, you know, and my, my presentations are all how you use data and how you use all this technology and everything. And, and one of the growers came up to me afterwards and he said, man, I wish Bloomberg could have seen this, you know, cause it, it's just like, he, you know, like, People don't get what we do. They don't, they don't get how sophisticated farming is. So, His name is Dan Freeberg. His company is Premier Crop Systems. If you want to check it out, again, they go where, Dan? PremierCrop.com. Okay. 
I really appreciate you being a guest on this uh, on this podcast. Thank you. Maybe we can do this again in another couple of years when you have some new technology, some new thing to share with us. And then also, speaking of technology, I'd like you to actually have a computer that doesn't break down during the middle of our podcast. That would be great. All right. So, so text, until next time, uh, it's the Business of Agriculture podcast brought to you by Harvest Profit. Please go to harvestprofit.com and check out software solutions as well as the blog post that my friend Nick Horov, the founder of Harvest Profit, puts on his website. And he can help your operation be more efficient because, after all, it's the business of agriculture. Also, a reminder that this episode is co-sponsored by my good friends at Georgia Milk, Georgia Dairy Farmers. They're great people. 130 dairy farmers down there that are producing a great product. You know what? Throw back a little bit of milk. Think of them. And also enjoy this episode of the Business of Agriculture and please share it with your non-ag friends. Thanks a lot for being here, Dan. Thank you. All right. Till next time. It's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.